This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Monday morning. I bet you're thrilled, aren't you? I bet you're absolutely thrilled. Monday morning. Whoopee. Where does the weekend go? Like that. So, so fast. Another winter washout. Flood, chaos, months and months of it, they've said. Uh, the police, I do find it an interesting story. It's uh, don't wear your uniforms out on the street. Actually, mainly, they don't. You see them walking out of the police station. They've generally got uh, the, give, the, sh- the giveaways, the shoes and the white shirt. Christmas dinner this year, cheaper than a sandwich. In Spain, oh, well done, the Spanish, they set fire to bulls. Thousands are obese in the British military. One Direction tell of their guilty pleasure. Looking for a relationship. Where are all the singles in the country? They're not in London, that's uh, that's a fact. And Noel Edmonds blames the royal family for the horror that was Jimmy Savile. That and more this morning. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. I wanted to start with the, uh, the murder of that young man who converted uh, to... Uh, to being a Muslim, he uh, it didn't help him at all, did it? It really didn't help him, because he was then uh, beheaded. And you just help, can't help but feel so sad, immensely sad for his parents. I think he was doomed from the moment he was captured out there. And that's the trouble. They've got another British journalist, haven't they? They haven't quite decided what to do with him yet. I don't quite understand these pathetic excuses for human beings who are going straight to hell. Allah has cursed them from on high. He's not remotely interested. They're nothing to do with Muslim, nothing to do with Islam. They're just murdering psychopaths. That's all they are. They've got nothing to do with anything. They've all got some sort of crack going on in, in, uh, inside their head. They're just not, they're not well people. So I'll be glad when they're all taken out and blown to pieces. Although then that made me as bad as they were. And I thought about that earlier on and I felt a bit guilty about it, really. I felt guilty that I was thinking murderous thoughts to get them. But uh, once we find Jihadi John and all the rest of them, I want to hang them very slowly. Very no, nothing, nothing too fast for them. Just nice and slowly. Then we can taunt them with you're going straight to hell. There's no virgins. There's no nothing at all. You've been a disgrace to the religion. You brought shame and embarrassment to your families. You're just pathetic waste of space. Pathetic. It really is. It's so awful. And there's a UK medical student who appears next to Jihadi John. They're not sure who he is. But uh, the father of somebody called Nasser Muthuna said he appeared to be among 16 jihadists who were filmed beheading Syrian soldiers in the desert. Are they, are they completely off their trolleys or something? I mean, I can't even begin to use words to describe how sick these pathetic, fat, bloated little naffos are. His father was asked if he'd forgive his son if he returned home to Cardiff, and he said, no, he must be mentally ill. Other than that, there's something else not right. I think mentally ill kind of... Dis- I mean, he's obviously been either radicalised or something. What's the, what's the purpose of him? He's a fat, ugly little git... I'd happily take him out there and run him over. I think just take him up in an aeroplane, open the door and push the little buggers out, as far as I'm concerned. I just don't understand what they're achieving by this. Nothing at all. A 26-year-old lad goes out there to do something good and help with charity and does everything and converts to Islam, although I have a sneaky feeling in the back of my mind he probably did it to think it would save him, and they end up beheading him. I mean, it's just, it's pathetic. They're just like little girls' blouses, aren't they? <laughs> Running around, perhaps they all hold hands and skip, ladies and gentlemen. It just made me, I just, I got so angry this morning. I couldn't think of words to describe them. Perhaps they're just feeble and ugly. And perhaps, they're, perhaps they're not very successful, the people. Perhaps they just don't mix with people and this is their sort of big way they think they're good. And this bloke thinks he's coming back to Cardiff. I think not, mate. I think not. We don't want you back in this country. Stay over there and get blown to pieces. I couldn't care less. The sooner we have more airstrikes, the happier I will be. 
Anyway, leaving that to one side, I'll tell you, it's going to start all doom, gloom and despondency this morning. And I didn't want to start being all gloomy because I was a bit excited that Gemma Collins was on breakdown number two. We haven't even had a day in the camp and already... I mean, it's just pathetic. You wouldn't believe she's an adult, would you? You'd never believe that at 33 years old, she's still being the little attention-seeking show-off and the ghastly person that she is inside Towie. And people get... I mean, you, you wait till I read what so-called friends have said about her. Oh, she's had a bad year. Yeah, foul-mouthed old bag. But then I, I, I came to... There was the other story in the paper as well. In the Sun, which are running on the front page... Uh, about transsexual boxing manager Kelly Maloney's final sex change operation has been cancelled after doctors warned it posed a massive health risk. Uh, they ruled it out when a suspected heart murmur caused uh, Kelly Maloney's heart to stop breathing during facial reconstructive surgery. Um, a source said she can't go ahead now, she's devastated. I can't help but feeling the majority of you thinking, who cares? Who cares? You know, God, give it up, for goodness sake. More, far more interesting things in the world than whether, you know, Kelly Maloney's transsexual operation is going ahead. I really couldn't care less. Not remotely interested. I was more interested in who I didn't know. I'm going to run some names past you. Kyle Simmons. Guy Garvey. Chris Woody Wood. William Farquharson. Um. Dan Smith, Carl Hyde, Joe Suggs, Alfie Days, Grace Chatto, Milan Neal, Zoella, Angelique Kijo. Who in God's name are any of those people? Those are the big name lineup on um, on the Band-Aid single. Those are the big stars of today. No, we put, we did it so in the office. Nobody's ever heard of them. One of them we might have heard of. One. The rest of them, total non-dented. Zoella from YouTube. What the God's name's that? I thought it was big names. Is that the best old Gel... Oh, Geldof must be losing his touch. He can't find anybody. He's had to go out there. The biggest name he got was One Direction. Ellie Goulding jumped on board. Somebody called Jesse Ware. Midjure, but then he's, you would expect him to be there anyway. Olly Murs, because he'll turn up for the opening of the fridge. Bono, because he's a friend of Bob Geld. And that's about it. The rest of them are nobodies. He hasn't got the contacts anymore. I think his contact book ran out in about 1973. There's nobody there. Rita Ora and Sam Smith. Well, Sam Smith is a bit... Co- There's no, none of the big stars that were there on the first slot. But it was George Michael, you know, Phil Collins. They flew him from around the world, the biggest names. And now... Carl Hyde, Grace Chatto, who's from something called Clean Bandit. I'm assuming it's some sort of cleaning company or something who happened to be around in the studio. Milan Neil Amin Smith, Clean Bandit. Hello? I have to hold my hands up. Who in God's name are you? What are you doing on this record? I've heard of Paloma Faith. I haven't heard of Chris Woody Wood from Bastille. I'm sure you're lovely, dear, but I've got no idea who you are. You're not exactly household names, are you? Seal, we know. Dan Smith is in Bastille. Good. Great. I've heard of Sinead O'Connor, of course. I would have done. And, uh, but Zoella. I'm sorry, love. Who are you? What in God's name are you doing on this record? I don't quite understand it. And I could sing the words to you, but, you know, to be honest, it's the same as the last one. It's do they know it's Christmas. No, they don't. They're a little bit too busy to be worrying about Christmas, I'm afraid, Bob, at the moment. They're too busy burying people. Only 5,000... 
Only 5,000, but that's 5,000 too many. But I don't quite understand why Bob Geldof's doing something which all the governments are doing around the world. They've all given money. And I ask the same question, and Nick Ferrari will be asking this question this morning. Does it actually do any good? You know, I understand the sentiment behind charity records, and I understand exactly why people will buy a record. The person who will buy this, this record is going to be the One Direction fans. If you're a fan of Sinead O'Connor, you're away above this kind of thing. You're not going to be going out because she features on it, because she's got her own fans. They're not going to go, oh, was that Sinead singing? I don't know. You know, but the One, One Direction boys are there, because they'll actually, at the moment, they have an album to flog, so they need as much publicity as they can get. Bono, who's so rich, I mean, he makes God look poor. Rita Ora, because, I mean, she, well, she's just available. But uh, Zoella, YouTube. I mean, what, does she run YouTube or something? Or does she own it? What, who is she? I mean, they're just naffos. Sam Smith, very nice. You know, and I suppose if, if Bob Geldof phones up and goes, I want you to do a charity single... But then I, I suspect there must be loads of people who went, I'm so glad he never asked. We don't want to get involved with this. It's about 30 years too late. Most of the other ones have aged very bit. So in years to come, when at the moment you haven't heard of three quarters of the people in this record, it's going to be even worse in a year's time when they all disappear. I mean, I don't know what they think. It's like sort of somebody from the X Factor going into the jungle. You know, Jake Quickenden. Who? Oh, the one who was kicked out. What, the failure? What would be the point of that? I mean, at the moment, we're all having a good old laugh at poor old Gemma Collins as she goes... She just can't cope with life. Wait till you hear what her friends say. Apparently, her best friend, Alana Kane, sounds like somebody who operates a dominatrix kind of thing, doesn't it, really? I'm Alana Kane. Of course you are, dear. And uh, they say that uh, time in here could help mend Gemma's broken heart. She's 33, for God's sake. She's not 12. Apparently, following an alleged assault by her ex-boyfriend, Alex Moss... Uh, this is the one who's just come out of prison after five years, trying to supply cocaine to Essex, ladies and gentlemen. Just a little funny boy. Isn't he funny? Apparently she needs to be away from what's happening at home because of everything with Alex. Her mum has been really ill too, and they're so close that it's been hard. She's had her heart broken. And sometimes away from it all will really help. Alana said, who in God's name Alana is, if she can get through this, she can get through anything. Well, she's not getting through it. She's had two breakdowns, you silly woman. She had a breakdown in the helicopter, and now she's, uh, now she's gone into the diary room, which is where all the drips go, in a desperate... Mind you, the worst thing was, and I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. She went under the shower. Mm. Got a little bit sick, then. She went under the shower. Of course, everybody else has been under it. Mylene Klass and uh, Helen Flanagan. In fact, I think Mylene Klass actually washed away most of her body under the shower. Helen Flanagan didn't actually have anything to say to anybody in the camp, so it was best that she stood in the shower. And then they put Gemma Collins in there. And there doesn't really seem to be enough water, does there, that's going to cover Gemma Co- I mean, uh, she'd be better off standing under a waterfall. But again, then she has a breakdown. I can't do it. I can't do it, she says. I'm, 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 I'm going to come out. And I'm thinking... Do you know, at 33 years old, you are the biggest, most pathetic person I've ever seen in my entire life. Why? They, they, really, they should have checked her mental state before they put her in there. She quite clearly isn't fit for purpose. She needs to come home and just eat food. Because that's what it is. It's, there's no food. There is no... Can I nip round the corner to McDonald's? There is no McDonald's round there. She's got to eat whatever... And if she does the Bush Tucker trials, and you will be voting for her, I know. And I bet you... I predicted this... I said because she's the show-off, she's the attention-seeker. She's the one who is bone-idle. You know, if you remember, she's tried to lose weight four times on TOWIE. And each time, they've had T-shirts printed. It's a waste of time, really. But the good news is that they can send them out to war-torn countries and they can use them as tents. 
So that's quite handy. So at least, you know, out of sadness comes goodness. But the rest of the time, she's contributed nothing. She's foul-mouthed. She has no personality at all. She just sits there fat and bloated and we go, oh, she's a celebrity. No, she isn't. She's a celebrity. Keep her in there. Quarter past four. Morning, everybody. 4.20, Nick Ferrari and the team with you from 7 o'clock this morning. As the new single for Band-Aid is launched, Nick will be asking, is the campaign helping Africa or is it patronising? Plus all the latest on the ISIS video. As Nick asked two prominent journalists, how much should the news cover the actions of these extremists? And should surgeons have to publish their death rates? Look at the papers with Nick this morning. Vincent Moss, political editor of the Sunday Mirror, will be here. Lisa Aziz has got the morning news at 6.30. So just going back briefly to Gemma Collins. When she was having her breakdown, luckily her mummy, who's obviously not as ill as we thought, was able to write on Twitter, Stay strong, my angel. Or really, I think she probably sounds like, Stay strong, my angel. Because I think she probably talks like that. Because uh, Gemma's got the funny little childlike voice. But obviously at 33, she's not quite grown up. And that's why she's the idiot that she is. And I don't know why we think she's a celebrity. She's not a celebrity. She's just a very silly, fat girl. There's nothing else to her. She has no talent for doing anything. Her best friend is uh, Bobby Connorris. And so far, the papers haven't bothered to ask him. Because, I mean, let's face it, why would you ask him anything at all? He hasn't got the faintest idea what's going on in his own life. Let alone, he can't even hang on to his own relationships. Let alone worry about what poor old Gemma Collins is getting up to. But she says here, I don't think I'm able to do this jungle lark. I mean, had you ever seen it before? You know, you have to ask yourself the question, at 33, has she got one or two screws loose? Is there something we're not being told about? Or is, is, she, sort of, is she sort of bipolar? Has she been to both North and South Poles? I mean, I don't know what's going on with her. I can't quite work it out. Why should she have a breakdown in the, uh, in the helicopter? Do you, do you know, she must be the most miserable sod under the sun, mustn't she? Everywhere she goes, she brings misery. Misery, misery, misery. And here she is, day two. Mind you, hilarious. Nadia Ford, claim to fame... <sighs> oh, it's a toughie, it's a toughie. Nadia, claim to fame... Ah, oh, got it, got it, got it, got it. She, she takes her clothes off. OK, cool. I got quite worried then. I nearly panicked over a sort of a so-called glamour... You know, model who stands under showers or something. But the good news is she's single. Gemma Collins is single too. They'll be fighting over the available man in there. I don't know, really. Perhaps they can all hang around Michael Burt. Melanie Sykes was in there. She's as old as the hills, isn't she, really? I don't know what she's doing there. Perhaps she's down on her luck or something. But anyway, apparently the temperature has soared in the jungle and they're all suffering badly. Good! Good! Michael Burke, hope he suffers badly. I'm looking forward to a lot of suffering in the jungle. That's the whole idea. If they're not suffering, what's the point of having the programme? The whole programme is based on them suffering. The whole programme is based on Ant and Deck getting there and going, you've got to eat a witchy grove. <laughs> There's a witchy grub. And it's moving about on the plate. And you've got to eat. Gemma Collins would rather die than eat a witchy grub. Mind you, she might get that hungry. You know what she's probably craving? I want kebab. I want kebab. She's going to start arguing. Do you remember when Anthony Worrell Thompson was in the jungle and they all went on strike because they wouldn't give them food? And Anthony Worrell-Thompson, you remember Anthony Worrell-Thompson, don't you? Slightly light-fingered, let's just put it that way. And, um, and he, he was in the jungle, and they all went on strike. Give us his food, or we're all walking out, he went. Nasty little piece of work. Nasty little piece of work. And uh, his career, luckily, sort of went, went west after that, so I was quite delighted. And so now you've got Gemma Collins. I don't know what she... 
I mean, perhaps she can come out, because this is how it normally works, OK? This is, this is the deal. You go in, they, they book somebody, and they obviously thought, obviously a rage went, oh, she's really bubbly. Well, of course, anybody who's ever seen Towie knows she's not bubbly at all. She argues with everybody. She's so foul-mouthed, I'm surprised one of the other girls hasn't laid her out. Because, frankly, when she goes down, she'll be staying down, I should imagine. And so they book her to go out to the jungle. She then has the breakdown going in, because her agents obviously said, listen, you've got to get some attention. There's good-looking people in there. And you're not a good-looking person. You know, you're the one who looks like they're advertising for millets in the window for, for tents for Christmas. So, so they, they've had to sort of say, look, can you do something? Can you have a breakdown? Oh, OK. <laughs> And as the mascara, I mean, because had she had the waterproof mascara, we'd have been all right. But because she's obviously, I mean, she's going to look dog rough after day two. I don't want to say this, but there's no makeup in there. There's no ma- Melanie Sykes has decided to go bare already, which is actually great. Because she's competing with people half her age in there. And of course, it's, she's going to start looking a bit desperate. But at least she's got Gemma to look down to. Because Gemma Collins isn't going to... She's, she's garnering the headlines, but you know damn well. Within a week, she'll have walked out of there. Because she knows if she walks out, she can then go back to stuffing her face again, which is what she does best. And sit there and go, I ain't never doing that again. I ain't never doing that. Not, nothing like that ever again. Whereas I think that they should use her as a life raft. I think they should literally, you know, find a lake, lay her on it, sort of, you know, strap some sort of boarding to her or something, and then all paddle across the lake. Then at least she could do something useful. Mike thinks that Gemma's being deliberately annoying, so we might vote her out early so she can spend the remaining time in a hotel. Or am I giving her too much gumption? Oh, I don't think she could work that out for herself. She's not bright. She really is dim. She really is. She's, she's not as dim as Lydia dim. She's fairly dim, but they didn't want her either in the jungle. So they've stuck in... Now, the trouble is... The, the only way and the only reason, you know, before you think I'm maybe being a little bit cruel to Gemma Collins, that's what this whole programme premise is based on. It is based on the fact that they suffer. You want to see them suffer. You wanted to see Helen Flanagan suffer. That's why you put her in for every Bush Tucker trial. That's the whole idea, to see if you can make them crack. In Gemma Collins' case, you don't need to make her crack. She's cracked before she started. The others would, would you know, hardly get any publicity. Michael Burke, because he's just a hypocrite and an ageing old has-been. And so, when you actually look at them in the jungle, the one that's going to make you laugh is Gemma Collins. The more she cries, the more you laugh. It's not, it's not a case of it's cruel. She knows what she's going into. She's being paid a fee for it. It's not like she's not being paid a fee. It is, it is a huge amount of money. Well, for her, it's a huge amount of money. And, and it's just funny. But, I mean, I couldn't care less. Carl Fogarty did the snake thing the other day, but I couldn't care less about him. I really couldn't care less. I'm not interested in any of them, except for the fact that I like to... Uh, to mention them on the programme, so you know you know that I'm a caring person. But I'm, I'm exactly the same as all the TV critics. They'll all be saying exactly the same as Steve Allen has said. That's, it. That's how it works. Do they know it's the number one? Well, of course it'll be number one. Do you know the people singing on it? No, you don't. 90% of them you've never heard of because Bob Geldof's book ran out some years ago. Uh, thank goodness we finally got rid of the useless Judy Murray. I'm sick to death of having useless people on the television. People are earning more money than you're, you can ever shake a stick at. And um, and so Judy Murray, who can't dance for toffee and had no sense of rhythm and is a bit of a failure all round, uh, we decided to kick off, which is great. Um, I mean, she just literally was pathetically poor week in, week out. Tony Beak, who's that irritating little oil slick who dances, but there's something about him. It's a bit... Ugh, ugh, ugh. Don't come anywhere near me. You look as though he slimes over people. 
He's sort of, it's, it's a bit oily, I'm afraid. A little bit oily. But anyway, you finally got rid of us, so now we can get on with the, uh, with the competition. Uh, 8485, uh, oh, did you read the story? I read the story, actually. I'm a little bit depressed about it. Well, firstly, the burning of the bulls in Spain, where they seem to set fire to bulls. A bit stupid, actually, aren't they, over there? But there again, I never actually forgave the country that came up with paella. You know, which is just, let's throw all the old rubbish into one pan and call it, and we call that the national dish. What is it? Paella. All right, what's in it? Oh, any old crap. I throw anything into that. Um, no, it was a story about children in need and about Shane Ritchie, who's in a lift with uh, some of S Club 7, and he says, last one out to gay. Which, you know, at the time would be quite funny. That's, a, that's sort of a funny line. I mean, I personally wouldn't use it, but uh, he thought it was funny. Well, apparently S Club refused to do the quiz with him. They thought he was being homophobic. Because there's, there's one member of S Club who is gay. There's the, there's, the, there's the one who's the racist. Remember the racist, Joe O'Meara? She was the one who was racist to Shil Pachetti in the house. You thought we'd forgotten about you, Joe, didn't you? No, we didn't, darling. We did not forget about you at all. We remembered exactly who you were. The bad news is that S Club 7 are going out touring again. Oh, God. Seats at all prices. Seats at all prices. Blue are touring again, aren't they? God knows why these people want to go back. And apparently five, who are now down to three... But if you say three, it makes you sound like, take that. So you're kind of a bit stuck with Richie Neville and two other people you've never heard of. Other stories in the papers for today. Can the menopause boost your libido? I blow me my hope so. I'm looking forward to getting there. And uh, make drunken yobs wear sobriety tags, says Cameron. All oh, right, OK. I could probably go for that. Uh, Zoe Ball arriving back. Uh, she was uh, coming back from, uh, from Blackpool. Looking a little bit, little bit old to be getting drunk, actually. So it's very sweet, love. But three a.m. in the morning, you know, for a woman your age, it's it's just not. You shouldn't really do it, actually. And also the rise of men who can't live without their moisturizer. Um, yes, yes, moisturizer. Karen says, "I thought of you and laughed whilst watching Celebrity Get Me Out of Here. I paused my TV and took a picture of Gemma, which I've had to send to you. I knew you'd smile about it. Yes, I mean it's just little Miss Misery." Little Miss Misery, I don't want to be here, I don't want to be here. She's only been there about a day. I mean, to be honest with you, it's, it's, it's a bit like taking money under false pretenses. I think we should really make her suffer. I really go- I'm going for the real suffering thing. I think we have to tie her down in one of those coffins and they're just empty snakes all over the top of her. And they say, if you don't manage to do this, you're not eating food today. You know, because that, that might encourage her, mightn't it, to sort of get up and do something and try and be a useful member of society as opposed to not being a useful member of society. Uh, Daz reckons that Gemma is mutton-dressed as mutton. That's a hell of a size piece of mutton. But uh, it isn't a case of she's mutton-dressed as mutton. I think that's, that's probably a little bit rude. But what I think it is, I think it's the fact that because she's been on a programme and she believes all the tatty magazines and all the stuff that they write about it, oh, Gemma's got a new dress range. When, when it actually comes down to the harsh reality, she realises she is that boring fat bird on the television that nobody likes. And so she then comes up with, I mean, filth language. I mean, really, absolutely disgusting. Why her mother's never written to her about her, I've, I've got no idea. Quick time check, 4.30. Morning, everybody. 26 minutes to 5. Welcome to Monday morning. I know. I know. You don't really want to be here, do you? You don't want to be here because it's this time of the morning. Sometimes the medication is kicking out, so you don't really know. You know, do you stay in bed or do you go walking around or do you do another bottle of gin? I mean, who knows? Who knows what you do at this time of the morning? If you're getting up to go to work, you're going, I really don't want to get out of bed. I really don't. I had a lovely shower this morning. Really lovely. You know, some days you have good showers and other days you have average showers. Today was a good shower day. I liked it. But then I got 
sort of upset about that uh, man who lost his life at the age of 26. I feel sorry for all of them, not just for them, because their, their suffering is over from these megalomaniac psychopaths. But I just feel sorry for their families, because that image will always be in their minds. Some people have, have spoken about these beheading videos. Um, and I believe that, uh, and I warn you now, that if you go on and start searching for them, your uh, IPS number is registered and it will go to the police. OK, so j- I'll just warn you now, just in case you're thinking of being a bit stupid and seeing if you can find the beheading videos. You will, but um, the numbers will go straight on to the police and they will come round and they will arrest you. I'll just warn you. I'll just mention it, you know. Just in case, because I know there's a few thick people listening at the moment. You know, by the law of averages, there has to be a few thick people. I hear them sometimes on phone-ins. I love the story, though, of uh, Harry and Mavis Stevenson. Harry and Mavis Stevenson got wed in 1949. And for 65 years, they vowed to love each other in sickness and in health. You read stories like this. I mean, it's absolute. it's a lovely story, even though it's got a very sad ending. But uh, for 60 years, 65 years, they stayed true to that promise. And when she died, 48 hours after her 89th birthday, he couldn't bear to be without her. And within 10 minutes, he died as well. And the staff in the home where they were uh, pushed their beds together so that they could hold hands. And um, they spent their last night holding hands while they slept in the care home. Uh, The staff told Harry very gently that she'd passed away and said he shed two or three tears, then they tended to Mavis, and the next time they looked over at Harry, he'd gone. I mean, it's it's the absolutely the best way. It is absolutely the best thing. Although incredibly sad, incredibly wonderful, that right until the very end they were together, their love lasted, and they held hands. I mean, I think that's just the... I, think that, I mean, it's sad, but at the same time, it's absolutely fantastic. There was another couple like that, and they'd been together for, goodness knows, donkey's years, and they decided to bury them in the same coffin, which I thought was, you know, a very, very touching thing. And if you've been together for that many years, you know, they never had a serious argument. I told you the other week there was another couple who were in the paper and they were, uh, they said, what's, what's the secret of a good marriage? They said, never go to bed on an argument. Never go to bed on an argument. Because otherwise you lie there thinking, I really, really hate you. So you've got to get it sorted out before you actually go to bed. The joint funeral is due to take place on, on Thursday. But how sad, but at the same time, so pleasing for the families to think that, that they couldn't live without each other. And that's why, uh, you know, I like it. I like it. I like it. Police have confronted a granny now. She's in the papers today. She put a gorilla in the window. You know, like a kid's toy gorilla. And apparently that's racially offensive. I don't know why. You'd have to close down Hamleys, wouldn't you? If people thought gorillas were really racially offensive, you'd have to stop all the David Attenborough programmes. So the police confronted her. Two police community... Oh, not community support. Oh, no, 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 no. The plastic policemen. Hello, knock, knock, nick, nick. There they are. Do they know what they're talking about? Not half the time. They don't know. And so they knocked on the door and they told the pensioner there'd been a complaint about the black body, warning her it was a potentially racially offensive object. I'd have slammed the door in their face. Go away, you silly little nerds. The grandmother of two said it was merely a knitted gorilla called Scylla. Anyway, she was asked to take it down, a demand she ignored. Now it appears the officers had invented the complaint. Not bent officers. What's going on? They made it up. They made up the fact that somebody, nobody complained at all. They were acting on their own initiative. They're quite clearly a bit stupid. 
Mrs Feast, who's 70, said two police officers, plastic police, a man and a woman, knocked on the door at about 7.30. They told me they needed to speak to me about the black body hanging my window. It's a, it's a gorilla, OK? It's a gorilla. Perhaps, they, perhaps they've been round to the video shop and confiscated gorillas in the mist because it's offensive. As I say, the David Attenborough programmes, I mean, he should be taken out and shot immediately because he showed us gorillas. London Zoo. Oh, what about that other zoo that we talked about the other day on the programme? Anyway, she said, pardon, do you mean the baby gorilla? To which they replied, ah, that's what it is, is it? Where are these people from? They don't even recognise... I mean, I'm looking at a picture of it. It's a gorilla. Whichever way you look at it, it's a gorilla. But they didn't know. And they're out being community police officers. I don't like to be rude... Because I'm sure they do a lovely job. But, to be honest with you, if they can't spot a baby gorilla, it's a little bit worrying. Anyway, they said the gorilla had offended a passerby and needed to take it down. Do you know, I'd have hung 300 up in the window. <laughs> Absolutely. She said there was no way I was taking it down. And to be honest, I basically closed the door in their face. I was so shocked. Yeah, good for you. Good for you. Anyway, she says I was very angry. The police haven't been back since, and everybody I've told can't believe it. I can't believe that someone would be so sad as to take offence to a woollen toy, let alone reporting it to the police. But, of course, it turns out that it's in Cambridgeshire. It turns out they were lying. Anyway, so, after the police visit, Mrs Feast's husband, who's a retired lorry driver, made a poster to put in their front window, appealing for the offended passerby to speak to them. It said, are you the person or persons who made a complaint about the knitted toy? Why don't you knock on the door and tell us face to face about your concerns? So looking forward to seeing you. But as it turns out, there was no person. Nobody complained. The police officers had lied. They told a fib. They told a fib. Obviously think it, but they didn't recognise it as a gorilla. I think they need to go back to school. We need to put objects in front of them. OK, what's that? Um, is it an apple? Yeah, it's an apple. OK, well done. OK, and this is? Um, is it a lion? This is a lion. There you go. How come he never recognised a gorilla? Anyway, a spokesman for Cambridge Police said the police did not receive any calls from members of the public about this. Instead, whilst out on patrol, two PCSOs saw an object hanging from a window which they thought might be seen as potentially racially offensive. The officers were unsure as to what the object was. Well, that is a worry in Cambridge that they can't spot a gorilla. It's patently obvious it's a gorilla. It's hanging by one hand. It's a gorilla. That's what they do. Perhaps it would have been easier to stick a banana in its mouth, Mrs Feast. After establishing that the object was, in fact, a handmade knitted gorilla and nothing offensive, the officers left and carried on their patrol. At no point was she asked to remove the gorilla from the window. Yes. Well, they were. They actually said to her, you need to take it down. It's offensive. So uh, somebody's telling porcupines somewhere in Cambridgeshire, aren't they? They're a bit sad, those PCSOs. There. Wouldn't you love to see which two it is? Wouldn't you have a rough guess that one's quite tall and the other one's very, very short in a uniform that maybe doesn't quite fit? Only guessing, of course. Only guessing. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. I find that deeply worrying, actually. <laughs> Pete says, how can gorillas be offensive? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it just, it looks like a gorilla. It's hanging up because that's what gorillas do. They hang from trees and they swing and, and oh, dear, goodness sake. Oh, dear. Graham says you're 100% correct when it comes to Gemma Collins. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. In a few days, with the tears of mascara, she'll look like a fat version of Alice Cooper. It's grossly offensive to Alice Cooper. She doesn't look that old. But she's, she's just a waste of space. Apparently, Clean Bandit had the second biggest song of the year. Oh, right. You see? Only you know that. 
Only you know that. And who, who would that be? Oh, nobody. They don't even have a name. It's a bit sad, isn't it, really, not to have a name. Don't you know who you are? <laughs> Modern music stars. Well, actually, we asked around the building. The producer's about 23, and uh, she didn't know who they were either. So uh, we asked everybody else. So only you, dear. Second biggest song of the year. Second biggest song after Play School and One Direction. So, lucky old you. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Squeeze a few more of these uh, in. Actually, I didn't realise it was such a good idea today to open up the papers. They're actually even better than I thought. Very, very excited. And um, uh, Lance in Gibraltar, somebody's got to be, says, Paella, short for paella, means for her. So the rice dish is called for her. And it is overrated rubbish. Uh, most Spanish people just say, I'm not going to say that word just in case it's a rude word, which is Spanish for rice. It, it's just like, I throw, it's like a Spanish omelette, isn't it? What's a Spanish omelette? All the old rubbish you never ate yesterday. You put the eggs in. Students eat Spanish omelettes. That and they eat uh, pot noodle. Students always eat pot noodle. And they always, eat, they always drink cheap wine and they all shop in Iceland. And as I mentioned the other day, the good news is for all you people in Iceland today, you can buy Peter Andre's album. Nice, there you go, you can go in there, because they don't really want it in music shops, they just want it in Iceland. Keep it out of the way, I think. Uh, Alison says she's 34, not 33. Well, I think she's about 60, Gemma Collins. I really do. Uh, John says, I've got a new DAB radio that enables me to save my favourite programmes and play them back, so an up later I can listen to you when I get back from work. Or failing that, you can listen to it twice, or you can download the Donny Osmond, and you can uh, you can download Catherine Tate, and today, who are we doing today? Dame Shirley Bassey, I'm recording today. And uh, who else am I doing today? I'm doing, oh, Sarah Millican as well. Woo, blimey, lovely. Um, Karen says, my husband and I laughed last night when we realised the likeness between Carl Fogarty and an American eagle. I didn't even know who he was. I really didn't know who he was. But there again, I don't know who any of the people are who are singing in the Do They Know It's Christmas Time at All, which apparently they did on The X Factor and somebody said it was dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. But it doesn't matter, does it? We knew it was going to be dreadful because it's, it's a lot of people you've never heard of. You know, all the people in these groups, which are supposed to be so hip, singing a 30-year-old song. I'm surprised they didn't sing Come Fly With Me or something like that. Quick time check. It's quarter to five. Steve Allen on LBC. It's very interesting. Uh, Linda Bellingham's husband is in the paper today. You know, she hated loose women. She hated loose. She told me she hated loose women ages ago. She didn't. Uh, she didn't like loose women at all because uh, when she went for an acting job, somebody had said, "Oh, we can't give you the job because you're a loose woman, loose woman." And and so she went. She went home and she was crying to Michael and she said, "I've got to get out of it." And she didn't enjoy the experience. You know, it typecast her. She was. You know, no matter what you saw at the end there, she told me for my interview that she didn't like it. She didn't like some of the people on the panel either. But there again, I know quite a number of people who've done Loose Women who've told me horrendous stories of some of the uh, some of the awful people on the panel. You know, some of them very pushy, some of them not very bright, some of them just, you know, really at the end of their life, I suppose. It's a bit sad. But uh, he says, I fell in love with her on sight, but uh, friends gave me the third degree. Well, they would because they were very protective of Linda. Very, very protective. Offer and you just have to you have to put up with things like that. If you move into a into a showbiz dynasty kind of thing, you know, friends are going to say, "Sorry, we want to find out. Are you a gold digger? You're not a gold digger." So one particular person did say to him, "How much do you earn? You know, what are your prospects? All this kind of thing." People want to know, don't they? 
I've bumped into a friend of mine yesterday who I've not seen for about uh, three months. He's just been through another divorce, his second divorce. And I said to him, this is the second person I know who's on their second marriage. And I said to him yesterday, I said, everything going well? He said, yep, got a new girlfriend and uh, it's going well. And, uh, you know, all very nice. I said, please, God, don't get married again. Don't get married. I said, it's just not worth it. I said, listen, play the field. You know, do whatever you want to do. And of course, he's having a whale of a time, whale of a time. He's out there, and uh, she, she's got sort of a, a grown-up sort of family, and she's got a dog as well, and he's got a dog. and It's, it's all very nice, but he's not going to get married again. I'm always the, the person who says, listen, if you've been married, married twice, don't get burnt a third time, for God's sake. No matter how appealing it looks. There you go. It's fantastic being perfect, honestly. It really is. It's so exciting. I feel like Mary Poppins some morning. Uh, Dave says, don't go to bed on an argument. Stay up and fight it. Yes. <laughs> Ian says, would hanging a toy orangutan in my window offend ginger people? Well, if it was if it was one of the PCSOs up there, they wouldn't know it was an orangutan, so you might as well start from a base of zero, I'm afraid. I've never heard of... Mind you, I've never heard of people hanging gorillas in their window anyway. That's that's slightly odd. You see, If you see a picture of it, you'll realise it is slightly odd. Uh, there's also... Um, the story in the paper today, because Christmas is around the corner, deck the halls with, hark the herald angels, and while shepherds watched. And you can feed the family this Christmas for cheaper than a sandwich. £2.66 is what they've averaged it out as. And this is per person. So it's possible to put Christmas turkey on the table for £2.66. Shopping around for the best deals among the ten biggest chains could deliver a meal that costs £21.31 for a family of eight that's less than it was last year. So if you opt to go to only one outlet, then Iceland wins on cost. Their basket came in at £27.83. Lidl, £28.13. Morrison's third at £29.12. And Aldi, £32.06. Good Housekeeping Institute did this. They found that the, uh, the cheapest turkey was the Braymore bird from Lidl, which cost £9.99. The cheapest Christmas cake is three quid at Iceland. Three pound. I mean, it's, you know, if you're a student listening, you're writing this down? You can't find the pen. OK, we'll have a hunt around. Find, find the pen. I'll repeat it again for you a little bit later on. Aldi were doing sprouts at 49p and carrots. Uh, the cheapest brandy butter is 149 but to be honest with you, nobody likes brandy butter. It's disgusting. It's only for peasants. Nobody eats brandy butter, really. You either put ice cream or custard or squirty, <laughs> squirty cream on it. You don't do brandy butter. It's really naff. If I go to anybody's house over Christmas, which I wouldn't, who serve brandy butter, I'm afraid I'd have to set fire to their property because they don't deserve to be around. Uh, the cheapest Christmas pudding, £2.00. Mince pies at Sainsbury's 65 pence. Co-op's uh, potatoes, 150. You can get them cheaper. So, uh, but the Christmas cake, Waitrose's Christmas cake is 49 pence cheaper than Aldi's. So you've got to check, haven't you, if you want to go around. So in fact, you can do Christmas. Even if you're doing one of the medium ones, 30 quid for a Christmas dinner for eight people, which means if, if there's sort of only four of you, you can eat twice as much. But you don't do brandy butter. And then you could save it and buy something else, perhaps a slightly better wine. I think that's quite good value. I think that's very good value. Um, uh, there's a Mercedes. It's been sitting in a car park at the moment. It's in Birmingham. Uh, they've been trying to track down the owner and they can't find the owner. I thought it went on a number plate, but obviously not in Birmingham. And it's been left there. It's not been stolen. Bizarrely, the multi-storey company which managed it found it was left unlocked. They also found the back axle was so damaged it couldn't be driven away. So far, it's run up £14,000 worth in bills. But cheaper to scrap it, wouldn't it, really? 
Daz says, uh, I like the fact that Adele wasn't bothered at Sir Bob clicking his fingers. Yes, this is after Bob Geldof launched this, can only be seen, a sort of a veiled attack on poor Adele, who didn't return any of his phone calls. But she's already said she doesn't want to talk, she doesn't want to record anything, doesn't want to write anything, doesn't want to sing. And they made a hundred phone calls. You think, after the first three, you'd have kind of got the impression that she's not talking, all right? Doesn't want to do it. No need to pull her apart over it, though. Loads of other people quite clearly didn't want to do it. Here's um, Sarkozy in the paper today. He says if he gets back into power, he's going to ban gay marriages. Oh, well, whatever. Whatever floats your boat. And 21 years on from that taxpayer-funded trip, little safari boy, he's a... He's a... He's a... He's a... Um, they call them career criminals. I just call them a bit thick. And here he is. He's, uh, this is uh, Mark Hook. And he just carries on. He was uh, trashing a property, raided a cottage while the elderly owner was away. So in prison again, you are a silly little girl's blouse, aren't you, really? I mean, they say here, I mean, he even tried to sue social services, claiming he'd not been taught basic life skills such as how to claim benefits. These people are just a bit simple, aren't they? It's not his fault. Oh, he's ugly as well. It was like the other story that was in one of the uh, the papers of the of the family, who were they they were all benefit fraudsters. So they've sent mum and dad to prison. It's nice, isn't it? Happy Christmas to you. Happy Christmas to you. Hope you stay there and rot. Uh, Marilyn, yes, Marilyn, who featured on the original Band Aid. I know you won't know who it is. Uh, he was just a friend of Boy George. He was a bit of a waste of space. He wasn't particularly good at anything really. And uh, he also didn't look so great. But now he lives on benefits and says he's so hard up he didn't eat for two days last week. Well, you must force yourself, darling. You really must. His real name's Peter Robinson. And he's given a sad account of how he begged a pal to lend him money for a sandwich. Why don't you just sit on the pavement or something and do that? He's writing his autobiography. Who would be interested? I've got no idea. Nobody was interested in him first time round, let alone second time round. Um, did you see the uh, the the Pope... Pope uh, Francis has denounced the right-to-die movement for offering a false sense of compassion and warned that euthanasia is a sin. You see, I don't quite get this. As far as I'm concerned, if I'm in a situation where I have an incurable illness and I'm in excruciating pain and every day is an absolute nightmare, you just want to die. If there's a way out, I'm going for it. I'm going for it in a big way. I couldn't care less what the Pope might be preaching to all the Catholics. My church are not saying anything about it. I mean, he previously stated that euthanasia is a symptom of a throwaway culture that views the sick and elderly as a drain on society. You can't vote somebody into dignitas. Perhaps somebody should explain to him, you do it yourself. You make that decision. You administer that final dose. That's what you do. The whole thing is done so that you do it. People people make a decision. They don't go, Auntie, you're going to Switzerland. You know, if you don't like somebody in the family because they didn't sort of give you a big Christmas present. You can't just vote people in there. Perhaps the Pope needs uh, informing. A little bit better information, I think. He also spoke out against uh, abortion in vitro fertilisation and stem cell research, which he described as using human beings as laboratory experiments. He added, beware, because this is a sin against God the Creator. Sometimes you think maybe they're not as well advised as they should be. Because, to be honest with you, the right to die, it's not a false sense of compassion. It's for people who've reached the end of their tether. They are in agony. They're in pain. They've gone blind. They can't eat. They can't swallow. They can't do anything. They're connected up to drips. They want to go and be peaceful. 
I don't quite understand why his holiness doesn't understand that. Seems fairly straightforward to me. A lot of other people would want it. It's like, I can't understand the people who sort of, you know, they, they would rather a child die than give them uh, a blood transfusion. See, I don't understand that. I really... 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Somebody said, Steve, Donny Osmond chat was fantastic. Yes, he was very good. He was. He always is good, actually. He is always very, very, very good. Very good. You never actually um, are disappointed with him at all. Other stories of the... Oh, sorry. There's not enough room in the studio. There needs to be more room. I have to kind of keep moving microphones. Uh, the Times this morning. So let's go back to the Sun because that was that was the interesting one because they've got uh, One Direction giving their version uh, or their their verdict on Kim Kardashian's bottom. Quite understand what you'd ever ask One Direction. Why would you bother asking about that? I'd rather ask them about Ebola, you know, and uh, or something like that as opposed to what do you think about Kim Kardashian's bottom. I suppose that's what people want. Um, Thought for you consider, read a piece in Sunday paper yesterday about Kerry Katona. She says in an interview she thinks her life will sometimes... That was the front page of the Daily Star. With all the children, five she's had, and all the fame and fortune, why, why would she say that? Can't make any sense. She said that her marriage to the uh, that bloke she's recently married isn't perfect. Well, yeah, but she has to... Um, she has to do that because that's the only... She's, she's never done a day's work in her life. She never actually worked. She doesn't know how, how to work. So she just thinks if she has a child or if she, if she gets married or, you know, something happens like she sneezes or something, then she'll sell the story to OK magazine and then they will give her some money. They'll give her, you know, £10,000 and that will keep her going for another couple of months and then she'll think of something else. I have no doubt she'll probably have other children. Unfortunately, you know, the, you're stuck with her as the mother. I don't think she's the most perfect person, but then, on the other hand, you know, who is? I can't sort of start criticising somebody for their, their parenting skills. I always remember her sitting down with her oldest, who I think was about 12 at the time, and going, Mummy's going to explain about cocaine. So she sat down with the kids and showed them her cocaine addiction. What an embarrassment. You know, bad enough going to school and being stuck with the fact, your mother's who? Oh, my God. I mean, at least with sort of Wayne Rooney, you can quite understand it, can't you? Uh, Gemma, please stay in the jungle. Beg her friends. Yeah, please stay there. Don't ever come home. Stay there forever and ever and ever. And the uh, the Marines beach sprint saving a dying jet skier. I like stories which are good. And they were filming the new Dad's Army. I don't want to see it. I really don't. It's awful, isn't it? I'm a big fan of Dad's Army, but I think you should leave it where it was. But hundreds turned out. I think they were in uh, Bridlington. And they used about 300 local people local people, to actually uh, form part of the extras. So I suppose at least it looks authentic. Steve at lbc.co.uk, 84850. It's Steve's early breakfast. The jihadist threat to strike the UK after the murder of the US hostage. This is a man who converted to Islam and still they killed him. Tragic news for their parents. Also tragedy for five teenagers and their parents. The road crash killed them. The fog was so bad. I've said to people before, if it's foggy, don't go out. Another winter washout. Floods, chaos for months on end and a whole family of fraudsters that we expose. Uh, Gemma Collins has her second breakdown. Little Miss Attention Seeker is really turning out to be even more dreary than we thought she was. In Spain, they set bulls on fire and uh, Sarkozy's going to ban gay marriage. Well, looky here. It's LBC. See. Morning, everybody. Four minutes past five. Welcome to Monday morning. It's LBC. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast with you till 6.30. How many have you heard on the Band-Aid single? It turns out there's about 80% of them I've never even heard of. 
I've heard of One Direction quite clearly, and I've heard of Midjure and a few people like that. But there's other people in groups that even people in the office have never heard of. Cheryl Cole could, apparently, have gone out with Prince Harry. Oh, that would have been the dumbing down of the royal family. Can you imagine? Girl from Sink Estate in Newcastle marries Prince Harry. Unlikely. Noel Edmonds has blamed the royal family for the horror that was Jimmy Savile. They fated him. Well, he was certainly very friendly with the Queen Mother, that's a fact. In Spain, they set bulls on fire. Uh, thousands are obese in the British military. And looking for a relationship? Where are the single people in the country? And Shane Ditchie. Yes, apparently Shane Ritchie was banned from a children in need quiz for making an offensive gay joke in front of S Club 7. They're in a... I don't... Perhaps, perhaps people are becoming a little bit too sort of, you know, offensive nowadays. People are offended by just about everything. And so he was in a lift with the bands Tina Barrett, Joe O'Meara and Hannah Spirit when he said, hurry up, last person in is a gay. Which, you know, kind of funny, you know. I mean, it isn't funny, but on the other hand, it's not, it's not anything to complain about. S Club 7, according to Dan Wooten, are gay icons. Don't be so stupid, of course they're not. They were never gay icons. They were that naff band, I'm afraid. And uh, John Lee has come out. Bit of a surprise there. We got quite shocked. H from Steps came out. I went into rehab. I couldn't believe it. How he managed to keep that one quiet for ages. And uh, S Club's team told B Bosses they were no longer prepared to do the quiz with the Alfie Moon actor. A children in need source said everybody in the lift was mortified. What? Is there something the matter with them in S Club 7? Are they so... That somebody says last one in's a gay? Might as well said last one's in the racist and aimed it at Joe O'Meara. Would that have been funny as well? Because she was racist to Shilpachetti, as we know. I mean, it, somebody says here to suggest that, you know, he intended any offence couldn't be further from the truth. Absolutely. He gets my vote. I have to say that because his agent's listening as well. But, I mean, it's it just... I've never heard anything so ridiculous. So ridiculous. So three idiots from S... Well, I tell you what, let's not buy tickets to S Club's tour. Let's just sort of let them sit on stage all by themselves. And when they stand backstage, somebody says, have we got an audience out there? They go, not really, no. Perhaps you can go along to a Peter Andre concert or something. Um, what else we got? What else we got in the papers for today? Apart from that, uh, another beheading video. I'm, I'm just... Words fail me, I'm afraid. Absolutely, words fail me. And the American pickup artist. I didn't know he was till a few weeks ago. And uh, he's planning on bringing his vile tips to Britain. The dating guru who, told, who tells men to pull women by abusing them. He's quite clearly an idiot. I mean, it's not just shock tactics. The man's quite clearly out to lunch. We don't want him in this country at all. And I just don't, uh, I don't understand, you know, why on earth you'd be remotely interested in this self-appointed idiot. But, of course, who's he hanging around with? Russell Brand, people like that. You know, that's no indication, of course, that Russell Brand supports his theories. But I just don't understand why anybody would ever want to go to an idiot like this to find out how to date somebody. I mean, quite clearly he can't date anybody because that's the way he, he operates, which is a shame. Amy Willerton. You remember Amy? No, I know. That's showbiz for you. And Amy Willerton went on the I'm a Celebrity programme, but no one knew who she was. She was just another sort of bimbo type who turns up. Lots of hair. And people go, who is she? And they go, no idea. They just drag him out of some agency. They go, do you want to do it, love? OK. What does she think now? I mean, just, just to prove, obviously, in a desperate attempt to try and get some sort of coverage... Uh, she was at uh, a UK-based African school charity, Peas. And uh, Amy's team was asked which medicine can be found in willow bark. She put Viagra. I know. I mean, you really... You I mean, I, nobody's expecting them to be intelligent. Nobody's expecting them to be intelligent. But you do expect them to know a few things, don't you? We knew that Amy Child was a bit dim. 
You know, so when sort of somebody asked her about Ebola, she, in her little mind, where the lights were not on because the lift hasn't quite reached the top floor, thought that they were a boy band. She did get a little bit confused. Joey Essex can't tell the time, but there again, when was the last time we saw anything about Joey Essex in the papers? Ages and ages ago. It's practically on the floor now. White D, nothing, absolutely nothing at all. Nobody's interested. They've had their five seconds of fame. And then we had one in the paper the other day, didn't we, who was some bloke who thought he was a Joey Essex lookalike. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah. I really can't understand why anybody would want to go out there. He's a little barman, and he's got himself an agent, the same agent as White D. That's why it made the papers, and he's suing the NHS. So for all you people that can't get, you know, operations on the NHS, which are life-saving, he managed to get a nose job on it, but he's not happy with it. And so, as opposed to, you know, working his little socks off, because quite clearly he can't, to uh, go out there, people are now laughing at him. Well, of course they're laughing at him, because he's trying to sue the NHS for £25,000 for distress. I mean, what a wet blanket he turns out to be. What a wet blanket. Uh, Hen Party is suffering at the moment because Blackpool and others have banned them due to bird flu. And uh, they've just... Sorry, it's an old one. I know I didn't really want to do it, but uh, I had to sort of throw it in. And what is the the reason for Noel Edmonds' youthful looks? And the youthful looks are he has an electromagnetic mat. He's 65, Noel Edmonds. I think he's a very good 65. I've worked with him. He's, he's, he, I love him. I love him to pieces. I really do. And he does 15 minutes a day on this mat. I won't tell you what it is, but he exercises very slowly in darkness. Oh, let's not go there, shall we? Bette Midler's touring next year, which will be good. She's currently selling herself to the Las Vegas audience and wearing herself out and doing very well. She loves her singing, loves her singing. And the police warning... Uh, police chiefs warning colleagues to stay under the radar in a bid to thwart bloodthirsty fanatics from targeting them. Well, I know, I mean, a lot of police officers, they don't wear their uniform out. Once they walk out of a police station, they've generally taken their tie off. The shoes and the black trousers are a bit of a giveaway, or blue serge or whatever colour they are nowadays. But generally speaking, they've got anoraks on. You wouldn't know they were police, would you? I probably would, actually. I would, I could, because you see them coming out of the police station, so you assume that they are a police officer, but they've been warned, you know, keep a low profile. We had this with soldiers a while ago. Had this with soldiers. And you very rarely, I mean, if I saw somebody in a police uniform on a train or on a bus, I wouldn't think they were on their way home. I would just think that they're probably on duty. So it wouldn't make any difference whether they walked into the, the house. But they say here there is a warning on uniforms and social media detail. Mind you, you wouldn't know with, with radio presenters, would you? Thank goodness, you know, we, we don't get targeted uh, in the same way that the police force... Do. The five school friends in this horror crash, such a shame, 16 years old. They were uh, Jordana. Have you noticed young people's names now? Completely different from years and years ago. Jordana. It's a very unusual name. Megan. Let's see, that's okay. Bartek, Blake, and Arpad. I know, I, d- I, didn't, I didn't get that either. But anyway, they had this, uh, they were in a Toyota Corolla, which got involved in uh, in a, um, a sort of a, a smash with another vehicle. Ironically, in the same place that three teenagers lost their life about three years ago. And the head teacher at the academy in Doncaster, where they went, said the tragedy left grief spreading across the thing. They were out. It was foggy. Uh, absolutely terrible. I drove back on Saturday, having come back from Bishop Stortford on the M11, then on the M3. And at certain points where the... Uh, it's all right when it's built up, but when you've got low-lying la- low fields on either side, the mist was swirling in. And I promise you, you could barely 
see the car, the uh, the lights of the car in front. It was really terrible, really, really terrible. So uh, my advice to anybody, and I see it all the time whenever I'm on the motorway. It doesn't matter whether it's absolutely tipping down with rain or it's foggy or it's icy conditions. You Cars race past you. And the simple truth of it is they're young boy racers. Not all of them. Not all of them. Young boy racers who pass their driving test, but they've never driven on a motorway. Nobody teaches you to drive on a motorway in the driving test. They teach you to drive on side roads and to annoy everybody else, you know, because they stall. The, oh, God, we've stalled at traffic lights. Oh, embarrassing. But they don't teach you to drive on a motorway. I think that the driving test should include driving on a motorway, because once they get on the motorway, they can put their foot down and they bomb past me. And you know I've got a big car. Well, these cars whiz past me. I mean, it's, to be honest with you, it's not even worth bothering to catch up with these people. If I was a police officer, you'd have a field day. An absolute field day. Uh, Noel Edmonds uh, creeps in, apart from sort of lying on his mat every day to give him these youthful looks, but I just think he's blessed with good genes. He believes the royal family and Margaret Thatcher were as much to blame as the BBC for failing to stop Jimmy Savile's crimes. He worked with Savile at the corporation and said a whole establishment let him into its heart, not just the BBC. Well, we knew that the Queen Mother and him, that's why he was never done in the newspapers. I was always told by Fleet Street people over the years when we were in Fleet Street, they said because of his links to the royal family. They uh, they didn't bother doing anything about it because they were worried that it would embarrass. In those days, they were actually worried about embarrassing the royal family. And he was also very friendly with Margaret Thatcher. Now, whether or not anybody knew what... I shouldn't imagine the Queen Mother had the faintest idea what was going on. I just don't think she would have known. And I probably don't think Margaret Thatcher would either. He said, Noel Edmonds, said he never liked Jimmy Savile, who it later emerged had abused hundreds of people, although gradually as they're sifting through them, they're turning out that some people have just made it up. He said, and I remember he phoned me up on LBC once. He was drunk. He phoned me up and he was drunk. And I forget, to be honest with you, I can't even remember what he was talking about. But somebody just said, oh, Jimmy Savile. We had two people who phoned up, both on the same night, actually. One was, uh, one was Jimmy Savile. And because I was doing a, a late night phone in at the time. And the other one was, um, oh, I can't remember. He was the bloke who played Larry Adler. He played the mouth organ on the film Genevieve. And he was, he was quite famous as a bit of a bit of a raconteur and wit. And he wrote, no, he wrote me a letter saying, you know, I would never want to be interviewed by somebody like you. And so I wrote back saying, I would never be interested in interviewing somebody like you. <laughs> Seemed fair enough, didn't it? Nice to write back to people. He was probably grateful for the letter. But uh, he used to turn up to all the showbiz parties. Which is very funny. I went to a supermarket at the weekend, says CJ. And uh, said, I think somebody bought a lot of squirty cream. He said, I think they thought it was shaving foam. Love squirty cream, but don't ever use it on a trifle. The reason I say that is because it evaporates. It evaporates. Uh, 84850, Steve at lbc.co.uk. It's 5.15. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 18 minutes past five. I knew Phil Dale would be listening. I knew he'd be listening. Absolutely. He had to be. Bless your heart. He said, he said, it honestly was a throwaway line. I just, I didn't quite understand it. I agree with Phil. He says, all we can think is S Club 7 are seeking as much publicity as possible as they're reforming and going on tour. God help us, eh, Phil? God help us. What is the point? But you're right. I think any sort of, any sort of latching on to something, it's just Ridiculous. Goodness. It's the kind of thing I would probably... Well, I wouldn't say it, because it's just... It's, but it's nothing. It doesn't mean anything. Ridiculous. Anyway, I said, God, you're up early this morning, aren't you? Must be something really busy going on. Something really busy going on. Uh, Howard. He says, there is an outbreak of Essex bird flu in Brentwood. 
Yes. Poor old Brent. Those are, they're, they're thinking of celebrating Brentwood Day. I was reading in a local paper over the weekend that they want to celebrate uh, everything Brentwood has to offer. I thought, oh, please God, it's not the only way as Essex. There must be a bit more to Brentwood. Well, there is, actually. Uh, and Mike says, I'd never heard of Gemma Collins. Oh, you must have done. You can't not have heard of her. He says, uh, so I looked her up on the internet. Is she a retired shop putter? He said, don't know about whether she's bipolar. She's ginormous. She is. Well, she's recently been under the showers in, uh, in the jungle. But she is on her second breakdown already. We shouldn't laugh, really. But that's, that's what it is. That's what it is. It's that we are... And I, I don't want to... At the risk of repeating myself, because when you hear this as a podcast, you will go... He's obviously repeating himself again, but it's just because people come in later. And the whole idea of the programme is ritual humiliation. That's what every guest who's ever slammed it before. They've said it's, it's humiliation, but we thrive on that. And you vote for somebody you don't like so that you watch them suffer as much as possible. So, of course, we're, you know, we all voted for Helen Flanagan. I didn't. I personally don't do anything like that at all. I just prefer to sit down and watch everybody else voting for them. And uh, you'll be voting for Gemma Collins. But I have a sneaking feeling, and I've not been proved wrong before, only on about one occasion, I have a sneaking feeling that she will quit the jungle because she won't want to do anything. There's no way that she's going to be doing any Bush Tucker trials I mean, if she couldn't survive the helicopter ride, there's no chance that she's going to be surviving eating witchetty grubs or, you know, kangaroo's testicles or something like that. It's just, it's just not going to happen. Uh, Bob says, nice to listen to somebody who isn't frightened to use free speech. Yes, well, I mean, we are, we're in, listen, I can go and stand at Hyde Park Corner and I can say exactly the same things about Gemma Collins. I just think I, I reflect what everybody else is thinking. Everybody else says exactly the same. And then, lo and behold, you open up the papers and you read some of the columnists and they're saying exactly the same that I'm saying. I'm not saying anything out of the ordinary. Jimmy Savile was very friendly with the royal family. He was particularly friendly with the Queen Mother. He was particularly friendly with Margaret Thatcher. I've lost track of how many pictures they had taken with each other. It's just that nobody knew what was going on. There are stories emanating from America, which you've probably seen already on the news, of the allegations against Bill Cosby. Now, Bill Cosby is a huge star in America, but there are allegations against him, which, if it goes any further, it all started when I think a radio presenter asked him about these allegations that women have made claims against him. And then he was asked the other day, and he didn't say a word. He didn't want to talk about it. So they've started putting things up on the Internet about him. It's, it, it basically becomes trial by media. In the same way that all of these historical sex cases which have come up, they go back years and years and years and years. 40 years. I think one of them was nearly 50 years old. And you think that there was a story that appeared in the Sunday papers yesterday, which, to be quite honest, I read with my jaw on the floor about a boy who at the time was, I think, 11 or 12, who was taken to a flat on the embankment where... A Tory MP, he said, although how at 11 you know what a Tory MP is, I've got no... I didn't know what an MP was at the age of 11. And he says that uh, he was raped. He also claims that he saw another MP murder a 12-year-old boy. And I'm beginning to think... This, this became such a fantastic story. And the more you read into it, and the more you read this, I began to think, is this actually possible in this day and age to actually murder a child... We must have come from somewhere. We must have had parents, quite clearly. Murder a child and then just get rid of them. It was so incredible. So I'm, I'm watching that one with great interest. Because, again, this is years and years. This is 40 years ago. 40 years ago. 
Uh, other stories which are in the papers. I'm, I'm afraid we've, we've had issues with Spain over the years. There was one particular village where their uh, celebration was to throw a donkey off the church tower. I didn't quite understand the mentality of that. And in one little village, they do Toro Jubilo. They say this is a celebration of the bull. So they set fire to it. I don't understand it either. They've been doing it for years and years, but 85 years. And what they do is they wrap um, soaked cotton with tar around the bull's horns and they set fire to them. Now, as the tar on it melts and the bull runs, the tar goes onto the bull's back, thus setting the bull on fire at the back. The bull can't do anything about it. They seem to think this is hilarious in this little village. This is the first time this year they've actually had violent protests. People have gone there, quite rightly, animal lovers, saying, what in earth do you think you're doing? What do you think? The fiery bulls burn the bulls, the agony they must suffer. But, of course, no shame whatsoever over there. No shame. We've always been doing it. This is 85 miles from Madrid. And uh, it's, it's such a shame. It's such a shame. What they have to do is they, they, they set fire to the bull, then drag it into an arena where the thing just... It just stands there. It doesn't know what on earth to do. It can't do anything about it. And um, you just feel immensely sorry. I mean, Libby Anderson of the charity One Kind, and bearing in mind there are lots of animal charities, you know, people who say you don't want to go to see bullfighting. But we did go to see bullfighting. I've been to see bullfighting. I'm not saying I was particularly proud of it, but that's what we did when you went on a Spanish holiday. You did the rough barbecue where they flogged you off all that cheap, horrible Spanish plonk. And you all sat there, hundreds of you, in a giant kind of aircraft hangar and then the other treat was you went to see a bullfight i don't know why it was a treat why it was a treat i've got no idea but as children i don't think we appreciated what exactly was happening where the bull comes into the ring looks around and thinks uh-oh because you know that there's only one way out and it's going to be dragged out dead and then for some reason they cut its ears off and present them to the matador i don't quite understand the significance of that but anyway and so the bull comes into the ring, and then the picadors are there to just wind it up. And they've got horses which are padded, and they go round, and they've got long poles with spikes on, and they just poke it. And so the thing is bleeding to start with. It must be in dreadful agony, and of course that winds it up and makes it very cross. So by the time the matador and his suit of lights wanders into the ring, or minces into the ring in some cases, he's just there, but the thing's practically on its last legs. And he just goes, ole, and the crowd go, ole, and everyone eats popcorn and stuff like that. And they think it's a great day out. It's about as exciting as watching sort of Gemma Collins in the shower in the jungle. Which, to be honest with you, compared to bullfighting, is marginally more interesting. But the burning of the bulls doesn't seem to make any, any, any sense whatsoever. I mean, they say here... Um, we will eat bull next week, as it's the tradition, but not this one. This one goes to the field. Something sort of upset. I mean, it's an animal. It's got no idea what's going on. I don't care whether it's bred for it. Mind you, I suppose we could have equal rights for snails. Equal rights for frog's legs. My daughter, who... My, my daughter, my goddaughter is ten. Sometimes she feels like my daughter. And, um, and she was saying to me the other way, Uncle Steve, she's ten, remember? Somebody at school said that when you have frog's legs in France, in a restaurant, they bring the frog to the table and it's still alive. I said, no. She said... Is it, when they bring the legs to the table, are they still pulsing? No. 
And this is what ten-year-olds are talking about at school. I said, no, it's not like that at all. I said, but I can tell you that the snails you have, if you go to a French restaurant or an English restaurant that does snails, they've, they've been used in that shell before. The shell that they're in is not necessarily the shell they arrived in. Because what they do is they reuse snail shells. So they just sort of wash them out. Now, they put the snail in... And then they put the garlic butter over the top, and then they pop them in the oven, and then people go, mm, yummy, yummy. I've eaten a snail. It's supposed to be an aphrodisiac. To be honest with you, the last thing you're thinking about if you eat snail is, mm, you look attractive. You know, all I'm thinking about is, I need a waste paper basket, I'm going to be really sick. I couldn't bear it. I did try frog's legs. I did try. I always remember Les Dawson. His famous line was, he said, I used to worry about what used to happen to the rest of the frog. He said, was it doomed to spend the rest of its day going around the kitchen on casters? And I used to worry about things like that. So I, I did try the frog's legs, only because I thought I should. I thought, before you actually comment on something, try it. And, and, I, di- and I didn't like either of them, I'm afraid. <laughs> I did. Although I watched this programme on the television, one of the food channels, and the gargantuan amounts which they have in America, they are so huge. And they've got people doing this chopped pork and this, and they braise it, and oh, dear me. I'm surprised they're not all as big as houses. Well, actually, they are, aren't they? Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Somebody says to um, Lee, don't S Club 7 realise they come across as touchy, politically correct little so-and-sos? I hope Shane Ritchie upsets them again. I couldn't believe it. It's such a, such a non-thing, isn't it? But they are desperate to sell a few tickets. Why you'd want to watch them? I didn't think they ever sang. I didn't think they ever sang. They did sing live, I believe, on the television the other day. Apparently it was dreadful. And Cheryl Cole, sorry, knee Tweedy, knee Spagbol, she, uh, she was singing as well, and somebody said they wished she'd mimed, which is good. The TV licence could be going. That was a story we brought you yesterday from the papers. I, 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 it, it gets more expensive to watch the television. It really does. And I think they're saying that it'll just be, it'll be one of those paperless jobs. Everything is done on the computer now. Everything is done on the computer. The only person I ever send any, any money to, check-wise, is my accountant. And I don't mind sending it to him, because I love him to pieces. I get so panicky over tax. I'm so panicky. I'm rubbish with paperwork. I'm like a lot of people in this country. That's why, you know, Gary Barlow invested in these overseas things, because he knows nothing about money at all. Knows nothing about that kind of stuff. And so I'm exactly the same. I've got no idea. I have to actually have somebody do it for me. So I don't mind paying him. You know, to pay him, I think, is absolutely well worth it, because if they can save you money, it's very good. And especially coming up to Christmas, because this is the time of year that you're going to be really stretched. So not only are we going to get rubbish weather, Gemma Collins by that time will have sobbed herself into oblivion with a bit of luck. You know, and then you've got to find all the presents and you've got to decide. And you better start buying them now, because believe you me, the uh, the nearer to Christmas and if you've got young children, the presents that they want, Father Christmas might not have in stock. OK, have to do that in case there's young people listening. It's 530 <laughs> 26 minutes to 6. Waleed tells me that paella was originally a poor man's dish and was a way of using up leftovers. Was it ever? Was it ever? <laughs> that is the same as Spanish omelette, isn't it? Exactly the same. And, uh, and Stuart says, I love brandy butter and gorillas. Not necessarily on the same plate, I'm hoping. But, you know, brandy... I can't know why anybody ever has brandy butter. It's like that other thing that we have sometimes for... I don't. Uh, uh, what is it called? Bread sauce. Oh, Disgusting. Who has bread sauce? There'll be loads of you putting your hands up going, I have bread sauce. I can't bear things like that. I must be a bit too traditional. Or perhaps I'm not open-minded enough to start eating lots and lots of food. There's um, a picture on the front of the Daily Mirror today, a heartbreaking last scene with uh, Linda Bellingham's real-life son. She was acting something out. I think she was hoping 
she, she was hoping that she was going to um, survive. She wanted to make Christmas, but we all knew, I think everybody who'd, uh, who'd ever seen Linda, as she got more tired and more, with, more withdrawn in her face, I think we knew that the end was, was in sight. But um, she's, she's dying, playing a kind mum who's dying of cancer. She cries in the moving final scenes, filmed just before she lost her own battle with the disease. Alone at night in her sitting room, the actress's character breaks down and sobs for more than a minute. And uh, Donna Taylor, who directed the film, says Linda was the most wonderful actress. But I swear they were real tears. I agree. I think people hold that in. But I think secretly people are very upset. Uh, you know, I've, I've known a number of people who've, who've died of cancer. And it's, it's just terribly difficult. It's terribly difficult for the family and everybody to go through it. And everybody tries to be really brave about it. And I think she was really brave. But as the uh, director of this... Film says, despite putting on a brave face most of the time, she often said there were times at night when she used to get quite scared, and that was the moment. That's what scares people, isn't it? People are scared. That that boy who was beheaded by the uh, by the jihadists, you know, he was scared. He wrote to his parents. I think he'd said to his parents he was frightened because he didn't know what the end was going to hold. And even though he converted to Islam, you think to yourself, somebody somewhere decided to take his life, and there's no no reason for it. At all. It doesn't solve anything. It doesn't, it doesn't make anything better. You know, there is no world peace. There's no nothing. And they've still got another person that they're holding. But it's just, it's just so sad for the family of, uh, of Peter Kassig. And you just think to yourself, you know, why? Why, 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 why? Every time I say that, I say, why? I can't understand. But uh, it doesn't quite sink in, does it, with them? Perhaps they're particularly stupid. I did find a benefit fraud family. We've had quite a number over the years. And here is a family here. And uh, they swindled the taxpayer. This is Samuel Bennett and his bent wife, Patricia. They claimed disability living allowance for ten years. I mean, do you know, it must be the easiest thing to do in this country to claim benefit, um, you know, and all these disability things here. They claimed for their daughter since childhood. And they raked in £213,000. They were far too ill to work. Far too ill to walk. They couldn't do anything at all except rake in the benefits because they're fraudsters. They said a string of illnesses, they needed 24-hour care. And apparently you just go there to the benefit office and you say, um, I'm doing, I, I can barely walk, barely walk. Send somebody around to the house, you'll see, I can barely. I'm very lucky to have made it here today. And they just hand over money. The investigation only took up uh, because the family took nine holidays to Australia, Thailand, the Caribbean, New York and Las Vegas. Not bad for somebody who can't walk, is it, you old crook, Patricia Benefit? Uh, Patricia Benefit. Patricia Bennett, she claims 70 grand. 70 grand. It's absolutely appalling. Patricia's gone to prison for 27 months. Rot in hell. Samuel only went for nine months and Danielle for 18 months. It's just absolutely appalling. You see, what I would do is, they come from Liverpool. I'm not saying that that is the home of benefit fraud. But it seems to be all over the place, does it? It doesn't matter where you are now. And so they got loads of money. Patricia claimed 70 grand, Danielle 101,000. The investigators found claim forms with notes just as, just make it worse, think how this would sound, and use this one, disability, we used that one before. And they used blatant lies, but it took them so long to find them. There's thousands of people doing this every day. Thousands of people. And you look at them, you know, I, what I want to do is, and I know it sounds wrong, and I'm, I'm, and I'm, I'm re- sort of, taking myself in hand because I'm a bit embarrassed about it but when we did that programme, do you remember on people who shoplift and they had a woman there 
and she had a baby, and she went out, and she was, she was what they call a professional shoplifter. I don't think she'd ever paid for anything in her life. And she had rooms full of clothes. Clothes she'd never even worn. She just thieved. And bags fulls of sweets, and, and she just went into shops and thieved. And she obviously got away with it. What I wanted to do, when they took her out on the streets to see how she did it, I wanted them to take a truck round to her house and empty it of everything. Strip the house completely. And then when she gets back home, go, oh, have you been burgled? Oh, it's a shame, isn't it? And then smile and drive away, laughing maniacally. And they're the same, they're the same for this, this benefit fraudster family who turn up. Honestly, she has the audacity, Patricia Bennett, to turn up with a walking stick. She could walk. Nothing the matter with her. She's just bent. You see, I want to go round to the house, nick the television, everything. Strip the whole house completely. So when they come back from prison, go, oh, were you burgled? Oh, sorry. Sorry about that. We've sold everything that you had in the house and we've given it to the people that you robbed. Because there's no chance of ever getting this money back, is there? So instead we stick them in prison and we have to keep them there. Uh, more on Sir, Sir Bob's Band-Aid. Nick Ferrari's going to be talking about this this morning. He's going to be asking that question, and it is quite pertinent, whether or not this, uh, this aid is, is good for Africa, or whether Band-Aid is patronising. Because we seem to be just raising money for Africa all over the place, and it's a case of, does it actually do any good? The thing that we had the issue with earlier on in the programme is, who's in this Band-Aid single? 90% of them you've never heard of. It's not exactly the best A-list I've ever seen. Not exactly the best A-list. I mean, all right, so you've got One Direction and Rita Ora, but, I mean, it's, it's pretty poor compared to 30 years ago. Pretty poor, but as I said, Bob Geldof is fairly ancient now. He probably doesn't know who anybody is. He probably only has heard of One Direction, because one of the girls has told him that they're the biggest band of the moment. Why is there no band singing for the 500,000 people that die of flu every year in the world, says Kelly. Yes, I mean, I suppose the argument could be, from a lot of people, why are we not raising money for people in this country? Why are we constantly raising money for people for overseas? I can remember, and I remember it vividly, that they were doing... The concert for uh, when they did Live Aid, Band Aid, and uh, they were raising money for starving people. And the images we had on the television were of people starving to death, children starving to death. Not three miles down the road from where people were starving to death, they were blissfully unaware of anything going on. They were having whoopee-doo parties and eating and drinking because they just go, don't worry, somebody else will deal with it. And we did. We did, but it's still the same problem, isn't it? I can remember that vividly, because somebody said, and here is this camp here where there are people dying. Three miles down the road, they've got no idea that this camp is even here, let alone that there are people dying in it. It's a case of, let somebody else deal with it. And that's what happens nowadays. That's what happens. And I'm quite sure, I don't know how much money the Band-Aid record will raise. I don't know. I thought we'd already given money for Ebola. I don't know whether or not it's the way forward, whether or not they've channeled the money. Who are they giving it to? Are they giving it to the government to distribute, or are they just sort of going to go over there? And will we have endless films about them trekking over there to give the money to the people? What are they giving? I don't know. How much of the money goes to the charity? These are questions that we need answering. So for every single that you buy or you download, what percentage of that is going to the direct cause? You see adverts on the television, don't you? And they say... 100% of what you give is going to the cause. We did that this year when we did our, our charity work for Make Some Noise. We said 100% is going to the cause. I've heard nothing from the Band-Aid charity on this one. How much money from that record? Or, you know, do you have to pay studio costs? Is the publicity cost? You know, are they people swanning around in limousines? How does it work? How does it work? How much money is going to charity? How much money are they expecting to raise? Because that's the question we've not heard. Are they expect, expecting to raise a million? 
Are they expecting to raise 10 million? Because you know to get a record to number one in the charts now, you don't need to sell very many at all. It's really pitifully small amount compared to some years ago. So that's why I question it. I want to know how much money is going to go to the charity, how much is taken out for expenses, and are there people sitting in swanky offices going, it's another charity, it's another charity. Because charity, we've got loads of. Come around my way, we've got more charity shops you can shake a stick at. Oh, dear. Uh, Neil says, you must have driven through Gilston to get to your Unico restaurant on Saturday. You could have all popped into us. We could have done, actually, except we got lost in the one-way system of Bishop Stortford. I mean, oh, dear, honestly, it was so embarrassing. Read the bull on fire. How cruel is that? I love eating meat, but to hear of a poor animal suffering for people's enjoyment is sickening and really not acceptable. Yes, I mean, I think we all... I mean, the old argument is, if you went to um, an abattoir, you wouldn't eat meat ever again. And there are horrendous films on YouTube of animals. There, There is one... It always sticks in my mind because it's the one where you think, I know what you're thinking. And they ferry them down. This, there's two cows. They're ferrying them down like a channel. And the man's got an electric prod. And the first animal sees this metal door in front of him. And he quite clearly doesn't want to go. And so they prod him. The door lifts up and he goes in there. And the door comes down. And the other cow is trying to look round. And then the, the cow inside, obviously, somebody fires a, a dart or a bullet thing at it. And it drops down. And you can hear it. And he then tries to get back out. The, the, the cow behind. But, of course, because he can't turn round, he's trying to back up again. So out comes the man with the cattle prod and he's pushing it down further and further. And it is, it's sad, really. It's very, very sad. But that's, that's where your meat comes from. It's the cold, harsh reality of life, isn't it? But you're right. I don't want to see animals suffering. I want it to be over and done with quickly for them. I really do. And, uh, oh, see, Neil is the one. Christmas dinner without bread sauce, he says. Unthinkable. We love it. And brandy butter, too. I knew there'd be one. <laughs> I knew there'd be one person this morning. I knew I'd lose out on that one. <laughs> 84850, Steve at uk. It's quarter to six. Morning, every 11 minutes to... No, it's not. It's 12 minutes to six. There you go. All of a sudden, we sort of shaved a minute off your life. Uh, Michelle says, I hate bread sauce. Wallpaper paste. I don't know why people have it. I really don't. Mind you, I like stuffing. I, li- I do like stuffing, but you have to sort of... But there's so many different types of stuffing now. And people seem to cook it separately. They don't cook it in the turkey. All of this I'm telling you now, because come Christmas Day, you'll have forgotten most of it. So we'll have to repeat it again and again and again. And, uh, and then we can all discuss our Christmas dinners, because we eat later on Christmas Day. Well, there's that hat. That's Napoleon's hat that he wore at Waterloo. I did this on the, on the programme the other day. I was so excited about this piece of memorabilia that came up for auction. Napoleon's hat that was worn at Waterloo. I mean, imagine, they've even got flags that were flown at the Battle of Trafalgar. I find that absolutely unbelievable. Anything survived at all. Anything at all. And uh, I did say the other day, because somebody wrote in to me and said, after the adverts on the television, all for Christmas, uh, they didn't think that Sainsbury's was right. People are very divided on the Sainsbury's advert. Beautifully shot, but you shouldn't actually use war to flog chocolate. You know, people lost their lives and I don't think they'd be at all thrilled about being used to advertise chocolate bars. But that's, that's neither here nor there. The other thing is the penguins. And I said that uh, penguins, unfortunately, are evil and should be destroyed. And uh, somebody said, you're absolutely right. They've got little piercing eyes and little stubby wings, and they just stand there, and they're very smelly, and they're very messy. They look quite cute, but believe you me, evil, evil penguins. And somebody said, you're absolutely correct. When they were looking for a nemesis for Batman, they could have chosen any animal. What did they pick? The evil penguin. See? 
So even back in those days, they were they were well aware that Steve Allen was going to be commenting on it some years later. And um, S Club were dreadful, Steve. Oh, I think that goes without saying, doesn't it? The very idea they're going to revive themselves. I'm afraid I find immensely sad. Creaking bones all over the place. I mean, it's bad enough that Take That are going out as a trio. And uh, in the subject of uh, Take Modern, which you know has just spent £30,000 buying uh, 6,000 oranges to make into a little triangle, because it's an art installation. I know, I know, we're obviously all really useless and we don't understand how it works. So it's an art installation. They paid £30,000, which is the most expensive oranges we've got on sale in this country, a fiver each, whereas you could have, in fact, you know, gone to the wholesalers and you could have bought them for about 5p each, I should imagine, 5 to 8p, but they, they choose to do that. Somebody said, do you think that uh, Paul Cooper... We'll have a sign on his display of oranges today, as seen in the Tate. You could do, couldn't you, really? And the idea is that you go in there and you take an orange. Take one from the bottom. OK, just, you know, just to make it more entertaining for all of us. Thank you, Lynn, very much indeed. Amazing how many of you are animal lovers today. Liam is 18, which is good, which is good. And actually, it was uh, Sarah who celebrated a birthday yesterday. And Richard says, can you wish her a very happy birthday? We're going to have lunch in St Catherine's Dock and take a look at what's left of the Tower Poppies. It's a, a mudfield. It's a mudfield. I've looked at some of the pictures in the papers today. It's very interesting because there are these uh, poppies which are being taken up and, um, and they'll be boxed up and sent out to people. And I bet you it'll only be a short while before they start appearing for sale. People will be selling them because those people who couldn't get one of the poppies will want one. They will want something like that. So I'm glad you had a nice lunch. Well, I hope you had a good lunch in St Catherine's Dock. That's quite nice, actually, because that's it's so great. You just come out of the tower, you walk along the front, and then down a little thing, and then across the dock. And if ever there's a place where you'd think, I wouldn't mind having a flat here, that'd be quite nice. A flat right in St Catherine's Dock. All right, well, it's not raining, but unfortunately, over the next three months, I think, uh, it's rain all the way, which means that this Christmas, unless it turns really, really cold, uh, will just be wet. And how dull is that? Isn't that awful? Uh, Andy says, The bullfight only exists today in a small number of Spanish regions, each of which makes its own local decisions. If we worked like this, fox hunting might only have been banned in 90% of Britain's regions. Well, they do uh, drag hunting now, don't they? It's not the same as fox hunting, although I'm reliably informed that, you know, people people who do this actually want to go out there and they do want to kill foxes. I don't know why either. I don't know why either. I think foxes, were they there before us? Either way, it's the kind of thing that uh, that we should worry about, animals being sort of uh, slaughtered. There's a new book unravelling the uh, technicalities behind things we take for granted, like why don't dogs sweat? Horses sweat, dogs don't sweat at all. Uh, why are flamingos pink? Well, you know that one, don't you? It's because of what they eat. Because of what they eat. Flamingos are born with grey feathers, then they turn pink as they grow. The colour comes from carotene which is a chemical pigment in shrimps, prawns and plankton on which the birds feed. Why do they stand on one leg? I often wonder why they stood on one leg and don't fall over. Because in some, there was a lake that I think it was done by Attenborough, and they're standing on one leg, but they get um, the lake has got a lot of salt in it, and that solidifies, so they're stuck there and they die because they can't move. But uh, they do sleep on one leg to stop their feet from becoming too cold, so they lift one foot out of the water and swap feet. See, I wouldn't have thought they felt the, the cold at all. I really wouldn't. Do you remember the classic one? You know, people say, oh, if a wasp stings you, then it just goes on to sting loads of other people. But if a bee stings you, it's going to go away and die. 
But, uh, which is true, not for all species, but for a lot of species. Because when the, when the bee stings you and it flies away, it leaves half its abdomen pulsating on your wrist. Oh, makes me feel cringy. I can't bear it. Can't bear it at all. But uh, it's only female bees and wasps that can sting. In the case of bumblebees, their stings have tiny barbs. But these can easily be retracted once the bee has given you a sting. But it can happen so quickly that the bee will be on its way again before you feel, feel the pain. Oh, don't. I trod on a bee once. It was in my slipper. Years and years and years when I was about 15. Oh, the pain. The pain. This thing, it was like, oh, dreadful. Really did. Do ants have blood? Yeah, that's the question for Monday morning. Going to work, say to your boss, do ants have blood? The answer is, uh, they do, but it's not the same as human blood. And they don't rely on blood, of course, to carry oxygen. So they've got no blood vessels. The blood simply fills in the spaces between the the organs. I like that. How many many muscles does it take to smile or frown? Apparently, 17 to smile, but 43 muscles to frown. I can't frown. I can't frown at all, but I've, I've, because I've, I've been using so many exfoliants over the years and so many creams on my forehead, I can't, I can't frown at all. just doesn't work. It's ridiculous. <laughs> so 43. But uh, you can smile just using ten muscles, and six muscles will produce some kind of a frown. So there you go. So that's good, isn't it? Useless, useless things that you don't need to know today on the programme. Uh, 84850, uk. Uh, Metro. Fr- I will go through the front pages just after the uh, the news. Uh, Dame Judy is in the papers today. I'm talking to Dame Shirley later on, but Dame Judy has no plans to retire. She's 79. 79. And she says, my brother Peter's always trying to persuade me of the joys of retirement, but that plays no part in my life. Good for her. I should think not too. Last thing we need is, uh, is her retiring. Uh, the Metro do poor old Gemma Collins... I want Ant and Deck to do Bush Tucker trials. I'm sorry, why should they just stand there and get paid a small fortune? And uh, Gemma Collins has threatened to walk out because of lack of food. Apparently she had a bit of a wobbly start as she came in, and we had one breakdown. Now we've had another one. And uh, she stumbled and screamed her way there, saying, if I'm not in that camp in three minutes, I'm quitting. It's too much. It's the worst thing I've ever done in my life. Well, I don't know. I thought the foul language you use on TOWIE is the worst thing you've ever done in your life. And pretending you're an adult was another one. So uh, that's why, I think. And also, I said that she'd be moaning about the food. That's all she wants. Um, her next meltdown came after she discovered she'd spend the next two days living on porridge. See, porridge is really good for you. She should be really grateful that somebody's trying to help this fat blob lose some weight. Everybody else seems to manage it. But they've now slashed her odds. Uh, I said she, she will walk. Absolutely, she will walk. I could see no other way forward because she can't do anything else. Nobody likes her. If you've seen her on the television, you wouldn't. I wouldn't want to be talking to her out there at all. Awful, 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 awful person. They did a piece on the comedian. Who's the comedian? Lee somebody. Lee somebody. He sweats. Lee Evans. Do you know he gets through like three suits in a week when he's working because he sweats so much? He must be the only person who sweats that much on stage. I used to sit there thinking, good grief, that is an awful lot of sweat. He comes on, I think because he's so energetic. I've never spoken to him. I must, we must try and get him in for an in-conversation. I must have a word with, with Charlie Girling. I'm sure she can sort something like that out. They're all fighting over who's actually going to be recording Dame Shirley Bassey today. Kevin, I think, is, is the one who's actually got the uh, the straw for that one. Can't wait to see what she's like. Can't wait to see what she's like. I'm going I'm to bring in a photo of me with her. 
But I don't know if that's a good idea. I'm not. Just, you think that's okay? It's taken some years ago. We both look absolutely gorgeous and stunning. But there again, most most air, airbrush pictures do. Uh, Alfie Bow has got a new disc out. It's called Serenata. And uh, you know, he used to work in a sports car factory. Now he's Britain's biggest selling tenor. And uh, his uh, his album is out now. Donny Osmond's album is out now. Good. Very, very good. Very good album. Very nice album. More of your texts and emails we'll be taking uh, very shortly as well. 84850 uk. And two in five children have had a near miss with a car. A friend of mine is a cyclist in London. He's bought one of these helmets. It's got the camera on it. He said, you've no idea how he, he knocked a pedestrian over the other day. They just stepped into the road. Because people, you know, if you've come from another country, you're not expecting the traffic to come from this side. But, of course, it does. He said it's quite dangerous out there. And a sign of the times. What are the odds of people having a tattoo? One in three people now have a tattoo. I did... I was talking to somebody about tattoos the other day. What was I talking about? I was talking to somebody. It might have been at the International Magic Day. And, um... I remember I was talking about tattoos, and they said, have you got any? I said, no, I haven't. I said, but I'm thinking about it. They went, oh, don't really. You're going to look ridiculous. Steve Allen has tattoo. I mean, it's enough to make people weep into their porridge. 30 minutes left on the programme this morning. The jihadist threat to strike the UK after the murder of the US hostage. Terribly sad. Another winter washout, flood and chaos for months. Uh, how many people have you heard of on the Band-Aid single? I'm hoping Nick Ferrari's going to raise that. But I think he's more interested in whether or not it's going to do good. Susan Boyle's pictured in the paper today. She's having another one of her little days. Cheryl Cole, ni Versani, Versace, Versici, whatever her name is. Uh, she could have been going out with Prince Harry. I think the palace would have stopped at that one immediately. Thousands of obese people in the British military. And One Direction tell of their guilty pleasures. All of that and more this morning on LBC with Steve Allen. On FM, online, Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have your company. It's LBC. It's Steve Allen with you for early breakfast. The Kelly Malone sex change operation is on hold. That's actually a front-page story, which we'll bring you in a, in a moment. Uh, the police have been warned. Don't wear your uniforms outside of work. I wasn't aware that they did. Noel Edmonds has blamed the royal family for part of the Jimmy Savile horror because they fated him for ages and ages. Christmas dinner this year could actually be cheaper than a sandwich. They reckon they worked it out that it's about £2.99. Well, have you seen the price of Christmas sandwiches? In Marks and Spencer's, they start at £3. Admittedly, they're not too bad, but, I mean, to be honest with you, sandwiches must be the best little uh, earner that all the supermarkets now have. And if you're looking for a relationship, where are all the singles in the country? I'll tell you which, uh, which are the best areas for you. And uh, talking of penguins being evil, no matter what they do in an advert, it is just a cynical ploy to get you to go to a shop. Feathers in Wallace and Gromit was very, very bad. You see, penguins all the time cast as evil, except in Mr Popper's penguins, where they were cast as being lovable, but they were entertaining. Steve, interview Lee Evans. He'd be walking around around the studio console while you were shouting at him to sit down. Yes, I, I get the feeling he's possibly quite hyper. But there again, I could be quite hyper at certain certain times. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. I think the only place that you're going to get snow this year is Scotland. 
I think it's about the only place that you're going to get it. I don't think you're going to be getting it anywhere else. I must, I must try and look at the long-range weather forecast later on. For today, I can tell you that as it was wet earlier... What a wet start to the day. I walked out the front of the... Oh, lummy. Cloudy and wet, brighter but showery later, maximum 10 centigrade. Today, a cloudy and wet start, persistent rain, extensive low cloud and some low-level mistiness. That's a new word of the day, mistiness. Although most places will stay rather cloudy, it should become drier for many, although southern coastal counties will retain a risk of heavy showers. High today, 10 degrees. It's not brilliant, is it? Tonight, many areas becoming dry with clear periods. Less chance of fog than recent nights, so that's good news if you're driving out on the motorways. And Tuesday, a dry... Although, I remember when we used to get fog in town. I can remember when there was fog in town. I remember up on the Great West Road, which is uh, in London here, just out in, well, just outside in, in Middlesex. I can remember it being so bad, I couldn't see anything in front of the car at all. And coming up to traffic lights is the most dangerous thing, because I didn't know if there were cars crossing in front of me. It was so frightening. I've, I don't think I've ever been frightened behind the wheel. You know, you normally think you're quite safe in the car. It isn't a matter of you having an accident. It's somebody having an accident with you. So just be careful. Uh, Tuesday, drier and brighter day. A light, a late, rather cloudy at times. Showers easing across the south coast. Isolated light showers possible. More generally by the afternoon. The high 12 degrees centigrade. Wednesday to Friday, mainly dry but often cloudy in the period with limited brighter intervals. Some murky starts will show only slow improvements in the light southwesterly wind. Gosh. All going on, isn't it? We love stuff like that. Uh, so the front pages of the papers for this morning. This is what they're offering you. Uh, some good, some bad. Some completely indifferent uh, as the Metro. We'll start with the Metro because they start with the the prom queen among the five dead in the crash. It was at an accident black spot and it was heavy fog. I said before, you know, heavy fog, dangerous. If you're not a very, even for an experienced driver, heavy fog is a killer. And these school friends were all killed. Three boys and two girls. They lost control. They smashed into a Seat Leon going the other way in fog. Yesterday, the academy they went to in Doncaster opened the doors for grieving friends of the former pupils. Terribly sad, but most of them were 16, 16 to 18. Friends laid flowers and spoke of their shock at them. You know, they were bubbly people. They were young people. They were all bubbly, aren't they? They're all bubbly. But it's, uh, it's something that's so dangerous. I can't emphasise on people enough as to how bad fog can be and how many people lose their lives. So that's the front page of the Metro. Uh, 1D telling of their... Guilty Pleasures, they are selling an album, so uh, just be aware of that in all their interviews. I'm being terribly cynical, of course. Uh, the Daily Mirror have those five school friends dying in the horrific road crash. The jihadis who are targeting off-duty police officers, as if they didn't have enough to deal with nowadays. Don't wear your uniform to work, amid fears jihadists are plotting to murder off-duty officers. Lord, honestly. As I say, as if they've got more than enough stuff to worry about nowadays. MI5 has warned terrorists are planning another attack similar to the slaying of soldier Lee Rigby. See, they know about these things. It's just finding the right people. Perhaps they're, they're targeting people at the moment. There's a number of Muslim organisations that they're targeting, aren't they? The Charities Commissioners, just to find out who they're raising funds for. Uh, Linda Bellingham, The Real Tears... Here, her heartbreaking last scene with her real-life son. She was acting, it was in the part, but they say they thought the tears were, were real. Uh, a picture of the US aid worker, Peter Kassig, who uh, lost his life and was beheaded. I mean, it's just, it's too awful for words. And they now say there's this jihadi threat to strike UK after the murder of him. He was only 26, he was just helping. 
He was helping. Three other people, I think, have been out there. They're helping. They haven't gone there for any... They're not taking anything out of the country. They're going there to help. They're going there to offer aid, and that's exactly what this young man did. The worst thing is, and I'm assuming, I don't know, I don't think the parents get the body back either. I don't think they get that. I, th- I don't know what happens to them afterwards. Nobody's ever said that. Perhaps that's something we should investigate. Uh, Judy Murray, why I'm leaving strictly with a smile. Yes, the rest of us. Sheer misery, thank you very much indeed, Mrs Murray. And it's hopefully we've seen the back of you. You've had your little show-off time. You've had your five seconds of fame. Now go back to that place that you came from called Obscurity and take Tony Beak with you, because we're so glad to see the back of him. She says, strictly left me feeling loved at last. Oh, God, nothing worse than a needy person. Even worse, even worse. There's the story of an NHS surgeon who fled Britain to join the Taliban in Pakistan, quite clearly of limited intelligence. Uh, The funeral mum, robbed by her daughter. This is a woman who sneaked out of her grandmother's funeral so she she could burgle her own grieving mother's home. Unbelievable, isn't it? This is Maria Everett. She stole a laptop, two cameras and a television pay-per-view box containing £100. When her shocked mother Susan returned from the funeral and discovered the burglary, she realised her neighbour's description of the thief was that of her own daughter. Anyway, and uh, she admitted raiding her mother's home. I think people think that you can't be sentenced for robbing your own family. Of course you can. Of course you can. And she's been remanded in custody. Probably prison, I should imagine. I love the way that people think, it's only my mother, I just pinched it from my mother. No, it doesn't matter. Any, doesn't make any difference, does it, really? Uh, the Army on Parade, this is in Bridlington, where they're making the Dad's Army film. A lot of people dressing up and enjoying it and having a, having a nice time, I suppose. I don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to see the new Dad's Army film, although I, I know that by the, by the way things go, I shall end up talking about it. There's a jobless... <coughs> excuse me, a jobless man who gets extra £9 in benefits to buy drink. Um, It is a shambolic benefit system that we operate in this country. He's been told he's going to get an extra handout so he can buy more alcohol. Peter MacDonald was staggered to receive a letter awarding him the additional payments because he'd not even made an application for extra help. But in Doncaster, uh, they've sort of topped him up. So he gets £120 a week, now it's £129 and £6 for doing nothing. We're doing nothing. The benefits manager wrote to him after he fell into arrears with his rent. The letter said, we can see that you're struggling to pay the shortfall between your rent and housing benefit due to the large amount you spend on alcohol. So we've decided to give you an extra £9 and sixpence a week. What? And make him a bigger alcoholic than he was last time round. They're pretty dumb, aren't they, up there in Doncaster? The payment will last until next April, although he's been told he can apply for them to continue, which, of course, he probably will. He's an ex-soldier. His ill health forced him to give up his job. He was also a boiler cleaner at a power station. And uh, now he gets this £120 a week. Doesn't really help people, does it? So they give him more money so he can go out and uh, and drink. Mary says, I can't watch Lee Evans because of his sweating. It makes me breathless. It is absolutely phenomenal. It is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, Steve, um, Samson is on the Facebook. Jan says, I saw you with a snow leopard on YouTube. Yes. Oreo. It's just like a giant, giant powder puff. Absolutely, absolutely lovely. Uh, 84850. Cream. Somebody says, you mean Botox? No, I wouldn't dare. I tell you, if I use Botox, my bank manager would close my bank account. She's already threatened. If she sees anything that resembles... Oh, no, 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 no. I wouldn't dream of having Botox. Well, let somebody stick needles in your face. No, 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 no. And round your eyes. No, 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 no. Definitely not. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't dream of having Botox. I've seen people... Uh, 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 
I don't want to... I don't want any Botox. You can spot people with Botox. They shine. They shine. If you've had Botox, you shine, because it stretches... Why would you want to put poison into your skin? Oh, no, not for me, thank you very much indeed. I'm far too much of a coward. I just want, you know, just normal things. Just normal things, like cream. I think cream's okay. Could be a, a cream. Apparently, S Club 7, says Howard, were dreadful on children in need. They sang out of tune and looked very yesterday. Shame they're jumping on anything to get them PR to plug their tour as they've reformed. They obviously need the money. Well, I think most of them do. John Lee doesn't need it at all because he's actually, he's very successful. Very successful. But a few of the others, I don't think Joe O'Meara's done pretty much anything in her life apart from embarrassing herself with Shilpa Shetty. Uh, right, let me just quickly uh, check now. It's, oh, quarter past six. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Monday morning, 6.20 is the time. 6.20. Uh, front page of The Sun this morning, the uh, the teen angels who died in that car because the fog was bad out there. And unless you're an experienced driver, and even if you are an experienced driver, it's still pretty dangerous. Uh, One Direction are being interviewed by anybody that wants to interview them. They're talking about uh, Kim Kardashian's bottom. And Kelly Maloney, Frank Maloney as was... Um, can't now have the sex change operation because of complications uh, during facial reconstruction surgery. I couldn't be less interested. (laughs) I'm a bit sorry about that. Uh, Red Devils fans can now kit the cars out with Manchester United tyres in an effort to drag as much money out of you as they can. They have the club's name and badge on the side and are part of a sponsorship deal with an Indian tyre maker. The 60-quid tyres, which will be available to the club stars... Well, I mean, to be honest with you, I don't want to be rude, but a 60-quid tyre on some of the cars they're driving? Don't be silly. My, my tyres are 250 quid a time. A 60-quid tyre. So, some of these Manchester United people who are driving top-of-the-range cars, you can't put a £60 tyre on it. They're about two to £300. But, uh, they currently only come in two sizes. Eager fans will have to join a waiting list. My God, I don't think you suffer, don't you? Poor fans of football clubs. Because you have to go out, so you have to go to buy the strip, you've got to buy the kit, you've got to buy this and that, and now you've got to buy the tyres as well. <coughs> but um, the uh, the club stars will not be using them. These, these are cheapo tyres. 60 quid for a tyre, that's a cheapo tyre, and certainly wouldn't be going on uh, on any of their flashy cars, ladies and gentlemen. Well, my name's not Steve Allen. Uh, Michelle says... Uh, Anton and Judy, great entertainment. We're not in the interest, we're not in the business of great entertainment. We're in, it's called Strictly Come Dancing. Strictly Come Dancing, Michelle. It's a dancing programme, and the fact is, she couldn't. They kept him in there because she was a buffoon. And Anton has the most fantastic sense of humour. He's a creep. He's so oily and creepy. Eh, eh, eh. Oh, you only have to watch him fawning over people to realise. You know, every programme he's done, he's failed on. On the television, because the public see through him. He's an oil slick. Dreadful. And Judy, a lovely, gracious lady. A desperado, Michelle. You're feeding me all the right lines. It's, it's just too easy for me to say that. She's, she's desperately sad. You know, she's got no personality at all. And she couldn't dance. And the truth of the matter is, it's a dancing programme. OK? Uh, I know the aid workers mean well, and it's not the Syrian people's fault, but the only way to stop this from happening is our innocent citizens to stay clear from said areas. What's the other option, says Dan? Well, I don't know, but they've, already, they've got somebody else that they're holding at the moment, haven't they, out there? So we'll have to wait and see. Guess how much... Oh, I, I knew there was something I was going to bring. I completely forgot about it in the, in the run-up. When I talked about the hat that Napoleon wore, Napoleon Bonaparte, that he wore at the Battle of... Um, 
whatever it was. Um, but anyway, it was Battle of Waterloo. Thank you. Mental block on it. And they said about £350,000. What did it go for? Not £350,000. I told you it would go for some money. £1.5 million. <laughs> it's, it's like finding the Holy Grail. £1.5 million, Bought by an anonymous South Korean. Uh, it was worn in 1800. The two-pointed hat, which Napoleon wore sideways is to stand out, was recovered by his vet. Good Lord. They said 350,000. But, I mean, you're never going to find this again. One and a half million. Sounds lovely, doesn't it? I, I quite like that idea. I quite like that idea. I think it's a really good thing. How many British military personnel? I only mention it briefly because it's 25,000 classed as obese British military personnel. I don't think this is des- definitely frontline soldiers. I think this is uh, people who work, you know, within the uh, the forces. The new version uh, unveiled the Band-Aid single with a load of people you've never even heard of. Never even heard of. They might have been in the charts in their own time, but as I say, we asked young people in the office and they'd never heard of them either. It's a shame, really. But uh, then perhaps we've we've worked out that Bob Geldof's little black book doesn't really extend very far at all. More on the comedy star Bill Cosby facing new allegations that he's a serial rapist. The TV legend, who's been dogged by rumours, stayed silent when quizzed on a US radio show. He shook his head when asked to make comment on claims made by several women. And uh, the iconic star of The Cosby Show has never been charged with a crime. A lawsuit brought by 13 women uh, was settled out of court and their claims were always denied. I mean, he is one of the biggest stars in America. I would think so. And I, I forgot to tell you about the Royal Marine Medic whose name is Corporal Wayne Tomlinson. And uh, he was watching a footy match on a beach bar and then raced off to save a dying jet skier. And then he did that, then he went back to watch the rest of the game. So he's our star of the day. He's our star of the day. Uh, Prince William has offered to play peacemaker in Louis Tomlinson's feud with footballer Gabrielle, somebody else. He stunned the One Direction lads by making the offer during their first meeting of the Royal Variety performance last week. Oh dear. That's the trouble, isn't it? You start making these sort of promises and you suddenly think, I think I've made a bit of a mistake here. I don't want to do stuff like that. Um, And Le Chef prefers roast beef. France's most famous butcher has been booted out of the trade union for saying British beef is the best in the world. Yves-Marie Le Bourdonnec enraged his countrymen by slating the quality of their meat in a documentary screened in French cinemas. So now you know. Front page quickly of the Times. The charities suspected of Muslim extremist links. Professional women fuel a steep rise in alcoholism. Uh, the Independent. Uh, somebody going undercover to meet the innocent female immigrants locked up indefinitely at Yarl's Wood. And the Telegraph. Jihadi John videos threatened to bring slaughter to the streets of Britain. Masked Islamic militant with a London accent claims ISIL will soon begin attacks on the West after the beheading of the American aid worker. Be vigilant. It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. I'm back with you tomorrow morning. We'll have a free podcast for you up very, very shortly on LBC. I'm back again tomorrow morning. If you missed any of today's show, listen back anywhere, anytime through the LBC podcast service. Download the free app if you haven't done so already. At seven, it's Nick Ferrari with his breakfast show. Up now, though, Lisa Aziz with the morning news.